I felt kind of bad because I was instrumental in buying it. So my husband said, well, I guess I'll have to go back to farming. There were many sleepless nights that um, I thought, this is it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things. I'm your host, Cliff Duvinois. Oftentimes, it's easy to point at someone who's successful and say, oh, they've always been successful without realizing that their path to success was filled with mistakes, missteps, and failures. But as today's guest is going to share, perseverance and hard work allowed her family to turn their simple family restaurant into one of Michigan's top destinations, turning family traditions into a family empire. Please welcome to the show, Dorothy Zender of the Bavarian Inn Zender family. Dorothy, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Let's go back to the beginning. Before the Bavarian Inn, there was the Fisher Hotel, and you worked there. I did, I did. Then in 1950, you and your husband, Tiny, decided to buy the Fisher Hotel. We did, we did. What made you think you could be successful at running a restaurant? Well, we had a background of restauranteurs. We were, uh, I was a waitress here at Fisher's. I worked for uh, the Liddy Fisher family. And then when uh, their son was of age to take over, then I worked for Elmer Fisher and his wife, Marcella. So I worked for them, and I always liked the restaurant business. So when uh, the restaurant was... um, I'll have to go back a little. We did actually buy this. In uh, 49, we had a bad snowstorm, and the Fisher family had on their menu, as did the Zender family across the street, had the same thing on their menu. They had duck, chicken, goose, and turkey. A bad snowstorm came overnight, blocked all the roads. Nobody could get into Frankenmuth. Well, we had all that food here, and what are you going to do with it? So Elmer Fisher decided he did not really like the restaurant business that well, but he took it over from his family because they were of age to get get out of it. And then he said, well, this is it. He's going to try and sell the place. So my husband collected garbage. Uh, He had a garbage route, and he collected garbage here at Fisher's, at Zender's, and also at the Henry Fisher Hotel, which was up the block here just a minute. And then, um, so Elmer Fisher said to my husband when he was here one morning, are you folks interested in buying this place? I'm ready to sell. And I was a shock to my husband because Fishers were more, uh, well, Zender started meagerly, and Fishers were already established when Zender started their restaurant across the street. So it was a shock to the Zender family. So this went on for about six months, and the Zenders didn't want to buy it. Well, they didn't have no money. And Mr. Fisher wanted cash, did not want a loan or anything to do with it. He said, when I'm out of it, I'm out of it. I don't want no part of it. 
So this went on for about six months, you know, kind of going back and forth. So then one day, uh, Elmer Fisher again approached Tiny, and he said, uh, you people, if you don't want to buy right. it, you have to tell me. I'm going to put it on the market. Well, then the Zender family got a little nervous of that because they were just starting, and if he would put this on the market, Somebody would come in, buy it, and then uh, ruin the chicken dinner business. So they started to kind of look around to get some money. And, of course, uh, the restaurant business is not uh, – uh, people don't like to loan you money because you can, you can make it or you can break it. So then, uh, well, we, they couldn't get the money for this, and they couldn't get enough money. And he didn't want a down payment. He said, when I'm out of here, I'm out of here. So they all thought, well, if everybody would put in, empty their piggy banks, maybe we can get enough money together. And there were six boys or five boys, I forgot. Uh, so let's see, six boys and two girls. And the father was still living. The mother had passed away. And so everybody had a chip in. So they could borrow then enough money to pay for it. And so um, first, my, when I said to my husband, let's buy it, and he said, buy it? We haven't got no money. How are we going to buy this place? Well, I, I love the restaurant business. Sure. And uh, he, he, uh, he wanted to buy it, but he did not want to buy it. He was a farmer. He, he worked on the farm. Right. And he loved farming. I did not like farming. I wanted to kind of go in the restaurant business again. And so it went on for about six months before they finally had enough money to uh, borrow and then uh, sign the paperwork and. Transferred over to your yes. family. Yes. So in 1950, then you you finished buying the Fisher Hotel. We did, and you ran it for a number of years. We did. The economy and everything's very cyclic, and I know that 1956 and 1957 were a little bit rough. They were. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what it was like to go through those tough times. I felt kind of bad because I was instrumental. In buying it, okay, but I had no money. I mean, I was just, well. We were just. I think we were married a couple of years. No, we already had children, so I did feel bad. And at one time, it was we thought we'd have to close up Fishers. We wouldn't close Zenders. That was the mother, uh, the mother business. So well, so my husband said, "Well, I guess I'll have to go back to farming." And I did not like to hear that news because, I, like I said, I didn't care for a farm. So we struggled, and we couldn't, um, uh, we couldn't do any improvements because with the money we borrowed, they wouldn't allow us to do any improvements for so many, I guess it was 10 years. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was rough. There were many sleepless nights that... Um, I thought, this is it. So we couldn't hire much help because, like I said, there was no money. So we worked very long hours, and we worked hard. Those uh, years were hard, 
but in the end, it did pay off. We did. Uh, we did finally after we were wow. Uh, after those two years, and I, I think back that we took the chance in '58 to put on a new edition. Yep. Then we could borrow money, and to put on a new edition and call it Bavaria. And you know, if somebody would ask me today, would you do it again? I think I would say no, because. But you know, you were young. I was 30, and my husband was 32, and we were kind of eager, and he took the chance. He took a chance. So with him taking the chance, I guess I was the helper, and we made it through those rough years. Because I know that risk is a big part of being an entrepreneur. Yes. Because you you are really betting on a better future. You are. You're so right. it, it just wasn't the fact that you guys, your, your family decided to expand the restaurant. You guys went with a Bavarian theme, which means you had to renovate the exterior oh, and yes, the interior. Yes. What, what, yes. Was, what was that conversation like? What, made, what was the, the precedent to say, you know what, let's just redo this whole thing in Bavaria style? His family, we were one corporation. Okay. When we bought it, we were one corporation. The family was not enthused about putting on this addition. And there were five brothers and two sisters. And he said, Tiny was one of the, the brothers, and he said, we'll work hard. We'll make it do. We'll make it go. And, of course, we did. And then, of course, he had to meet with architects and uh get someone to build this place. He met right in one of the restaurant magazines, there was a German architect, and he contacted him. He was out of Chicago, and he contacted him and, you know, give him the spiel about the building and everything else. And he said, at that time, we were not thinking of changing the decor or changing it. This architect said, I will design a building for you, but I will only design it in Bavarian style. Well, that was a shock because we didn't know anything, you know, about right. Bavaria. We, sure, our forefathers came from Germany, but that was kind of the extent of it. So he contacted him, and the family went to Chicago to interview this architect. And, well, they thought, well, give it a chance. So we did. And that was then the beginning of, of this Bavarian night. And it, it was always so surprising. This architect never came to Frankenmuth, never to even check, check out what he did. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful building. But he never came to see it. And with that, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. When we come back, Dorothy's going to share with us the obstacles her family faced when trying to build out the Bavarian Empire, who inspires her the most, and how she plans to outwork us all. Stick around for part two. If you are enjoying this episode, well then, let me tell you, there's plenty more interesting stories to come. Michigan is full of people doing extraordinary things, and you can get these great stories sent directly to your inbox. Just go to totalmichigan.com slash join. Enter your email address and join our community. 
When you do, we will also send you our top five interviews, the powerful lessons we've learned from these people, an invitation to our Facebook group, behind the scenes stories and pictures, as well as advance notice of upcoming guests and events. Just go to totalmichigan.com slash join. It's fast, it's free, and it's easy. Sign up today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things. We're talking with Dorothy Zender of the Bavarian Inn, located in Frankenmuth, Michigan. When you got the restaurant, you were dividing up responsibilities. Yeah. And from what I read online, Tiny asked you if you wanted the back of the house or the front of the house. And you said the back. Well, the kitchen. It, it, it was, I did work the front of the house, and then on weekends, I would work. The, uh, weekends I worked the front of the house weekends I would work the back of the house Okay. and then he didn't like the idea that people would ask him questions about food and he didn't know how to make it or he didn't know what was in it so finally he said you know we have to make a different arrangement you either what would you like the front of the house would you like the bar would you like to take care of the, the waitresses? Would you like the dining room? Or would you like the office? Or would you like the back of the house? Well, it didn't take me long to make up my mind because all my life I like cooking. And all my life I cook. So I said, I will take the back of the house. And that settled. So I was in charge of the back of the house, and he was in charge of the front of the house. He did all the, the planning, and this building was was his baby. He built this. Right. He built this baby. Right. Yes. Who would you say is your greatest influence on your cooking or your love of cooking? My mother. Your mother? My mother. I looked her up. Is it pronounced Hedwig? Yes. Hedwig Heck. Okay. In, in, in English, it was Hattie. And, oh, okay. and her sister's. They all called her Hattie. Okay. She was always Hattie. Okay. I lived on a farm, and of course, I did. I told you, I didn't like farming, and mother would help my father on the farm, and she, excuse me, she, I get kind of emotional. She was a wonderful person. So mother would help on the farm, and I I had an older sister, and she would do the cooking, and I would help mom on the farm. We would hoe, and we would have to milk cows and feed chickens and all this. And then uh, when my sister got married, I got her job in the house. Oh, wow. So I thought that was kind of special. So I could do the cooking, and then mom would still work on the farm sure. with my father. When we were hoeing or something, I could come in at 11 o'clock and make lunch. So that was kind of a, a perks for you. You got an hour off and you could do the cooking. Sure. And so that, that was special. So I would do the cooking and for lunch, we'd eat lunch and we'd quick do the dishes and out on the farm, we would go again. And Now, since your family made that decision to go with the Bavaria style, your, I don't know what other words to describe it besides empire has grown. I mean, it you, has. You, you've got the, the, the leather shop and the cheese shop and you've got the, the lodge across the river. Did you, did you ever think like going back to, you know, 1950 when you first bought the place, did you ever think that one day your family empire was going to be so big? Never, never. 
You know, when you're young, you know, we were in our 30s, mm -hmm. and we were used mm -hmm. to hard work. You don't think into the future that, that far. I will say, though, my husband always had a thinking into the future. He was a, an entrepreneur for the future, and he always, that, that was, you have to do this for the town. He did many projects for the town that people never knew. And then once I said, Tiny, you can't give all that money away. We haven't got it. We need it. You know, well, he says, you got to build up town. So he was very instrumental that the town went Bavaria. In, in my research for this interview, I, I read more than one article that talked about how, it, well, like when a new business would come into town, he would be one of the ones that would be championing making sure that they, they decorated their building in the Bavarian style yes, to did. carry through that, to really transform Frankenmuth into Michigan's little Bavaria. Yes, he did. He did. And they used to call him Mr. Frankenmuth. <laughs> now that I didn't come across in my research. Yes. You mentioned before that the family was one corporation. In the 1980s, uh, the family decided to split the business. Why did the family decide to do that? When our children then came into the business, then we, let's see, how did that work again? We had to separate because we were going to build the lodge. Okay. And we couldn't get finances with something being that we were one corporation. So then oh. the Zenders and the Bavarian Inn split. Eddie and his children then, see, then now the brothers were all getting older. They were not in the business anymore. It was now one brother here and one brother there. And then, of course, our children were about 10 years older than what Eddie's children were. So we were now starting to build our future with the children. And Judy went to um, Michigan State, and she took in as a class tourism. Okay. And then she wanted to build a hotel. And we had the banker here in town said, you'll never make it. You cannot put a hotel in here. This town is too small. And he would not give us any money from the Frankenmuth Bank because he didn't wow. think we would make it. Now, this was already the second generation that had no money. So you can tell we were struggling all our life to make things meet, to meet things. So then we built, she built a hotel. She graduated from college. And then I don't think she was married. No, she wasn't. Then she started gathering uh, things together to build this hotel and got architects and things and built the hotel. And it did well. And the banker at that time I was surprised. He was really surprised that we did so well. And then after that, we were we built many things. We had a a, a nice place in Bridgeport, which is now the uh, Love's gas station. I don't know if you've driven there. We had a gas station, and we sold chicken dinners there, and uh, that did not go very well. It, You're talking about Freeway Fritz. Freeway Fritz, yes. Yes. It, it was good, but it was not. We had a close-up. 
it was idle for a number of years. And then we had, we sold firecrackers in there. <laughs> yeah. Whatever works, right? We sold firecrackers. Nice. When you think of it, you know. Sure. From chicken dinners to firecrackers. But uh, then we sold it to this Luff's gas station, and they're doing wonderful. They've got lots of trucks there every time you drive by, and we're happy for them. Good. We're happy for them. Good. So that was not uh, the best uh, business we had, but we struggled through it, and then finally we closed it up. And then we built the, mo the river place. Right. And that, that was a struggle all those years to get that up and running. And so now it's uh, the uh, third generation that's running River Place. You mentioned this before about bringing up your kids in the restaurant business and, and they're working in the Bavarian Inn yes. Empire. Your grandkids as well. What's it, what's it like knowing that, that your family basically bought into your vision and are working here? They worked here. They all worked here. And my husband always said, you have to pay these children as soon as they work for you. You've got to pay them. Because then they, they have that instinct to keep on going. Sure. A and that we did. Bill was nine months old when we bought this place. And, of course, I was a young mother. I had Judy was five years older than Bill, and she was in school. So when I didn't have a babysitter or like they do, we didn't have these uh, places you could take the children. I would bring him here. He would take a nap upstairs <laughs> in a one bedroom. And every so often, every hour, either I would check on him or Bill or Tiny would check on him. He took his nap up here. Then when he was done with his nap again, I'd bring him down in the kitchen. I'd put him on a card and bring toys from home. And he would sit on that card for hours, just play with toys. At one time, I gave him a teapot with water. For a whole hour, he kept going like this. And of course, they tease him about it now. <laughs> he was the teapot kid. <laughs> but it, yeah, the, I brought the children with me. I had to bring them with me. Sure. And now your grandkids are working here as well. Yes. Yeah. At one time, we had, let's see, there were two, four, five. There were five grandchildren working here in the kitchen with me. And for some reason or other, when it was time for lunch, how they managed it, they would all have to have that lunch break together <laughs> in my office. That's where they'd eat lunch. And they had a good time, and they loved it. It was, And now it's the, grand, the great-grandchildren that are now coming to work. A handful of years ago, you celebrated working at the Bavarian Inn for over 70 years. I now, see. most people, when they turn 60 or 65, are ready to retire, but not you. What drives you? Well, I, I think it's the people. It's the people, you know. I miss people if, I, if I'm not around people. And I have many friends that would come to eat, and I really wanted to see them. I sure. would work late hours if I knew... John Doe was coming at 8 o'clock. I would stay till 8 o'clock till he was here. And that, I think, had some influence. And I like to cook. And for me to cook and stay an extra hour to cook this, this item, there was no problem. 
That was no problem. I liked it. And you, I would get satisfaction out of it. And uh, business was good. And you were happy that business was so good. You knew that it didn't come from nothing. You had to work hard, you know, to get it where it is now. Sure. So it was it was a challenge, but it was a joyful challenge. I enjoyed it. Before we talked about your your mother's influence on your cooking, what do you think she would say if she knew that you had literally cooked meals for millions of people over the last 50 years? What, what do you think she'd say? Mom would be very proud. She would be very proud. She would say, why do you work so hard? That's what she used to say. Because she would come over, and after my father died, she would come over and stay with me. Excuse me. You wouldn't think you'd have to cry after your mother was dead for 20 years. Your love for your mother never goes away. My mother worked very hard in her life. So for her to see me work hard, she always said, why do you work so hard? Because mother would work hard, but she would have her evenings free. I'm sorry. Let's take your time. Now, mom would say, why are you crying? Sounds like she'd be very proud. She would be. She would be. With that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this interview. Dorothy, I, I can't tell you what a treat, what a pleasure this has been just taking a little bit of your time because I know you're extremely busy. So thank you for, for speaking with us today. I really do appreciate it. 